Welcome to the Bootstrap Mogul Podcast, where we bring you the grassroots tips, tricks, and stories in everything entrepreneurship, digital marketing, and personal development. I'm your host, Andres Olguin. Today, I want to talk about something that's very close to my heart, bootstrapping a business. I mean, the name of this podcast is all around bootstrapping. So as someone who has personally experienced those ups and downs of starting a business with limited resources, I know firsthand the challenges that can come with it. Now, one of the biggest challenges that I faced when bootstrapping my business was the lack of resources. As an entrepreneur, I had to rely on my own savings, sweat equity, and a do-it-yourself mentality to get things done. And this meant that I had to be very creative with how I spent my time and my money. And I had to make sure that some of the tough decisions were prioritized and decided what to prioritize. Another challenge I faced was the lack of expertise. Now, when you're bootstrapping a business, you have to wear many hats and take on a wide range of responsibilities. This can be overwhelming, especially if you don't have all of the necessary skills and knowledge to handle everything. I had to learn on the job and make mistakes along the way, which was definitely a humbling experience. Next is scaling. Without outside funding, it can be really difficult to invest in new products, services, or marketing campaigns. And so this can limit your ability to grow and compete with larger, well-funded companies. The other thing is cash flow. That was another issue that I had to contend with, and I still do struggle with that. When you're bootstrapping a business, you may not have a steady stream of income coming in, and this can make it difficult to pay bills, buy inventory, or invest in those growth opportunities. And finally, bootstrapping can also affect your credibility. In some industries, investors or customers may view it as a sign that the company lacks the resources or expertise to succeed, and this can make it harder to attract new customers or investors. But despite these challenges, bootstrapping can be a very rewarding experience, and it does require resilience, resourcefulness, and a willingness to learn and adapt. But with the right mindset, it's possible to build a thriving business without outside funding or investors. And so that's why I want to share with you today the steps to truly start thinking like a CEO that will help you navigate the challenges of bootstrapping a business. And these steps are based on my own experience and the lessons that I've learned along the way. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level and start thinking like a CEO, stay tuned for the rest of this episode. So first, a successful CEO needs both a certain mindset and a skill set. So let's start with the key areas where you need to demonstrate skill. These include the following five, which you as a CEO must be able to do. So the first one is measuring and analyzing everything that your business does to monitor progress and identify ways to improve. You also wanna be able to focus on your ultimate goals and develop those strategies that are going to lead to their achievement. You also have to remain flexible so that you can change course when needed to suit customer demands and also market changes. 
and you have to stay open to innovation and improved ways of doing business in order to keep those existing customers and to gain new business. And then last is to motivate those who work with you to contribute their best and show them respect and consideration. Now, if you don't have a team yet, which a lot of bootstrappers don't or have a very small team, this is going to include um, strategic alliance partners, networking colleagues, suppliers, contractors, and so on. Now, there may be other elements that you'd want to add to this list, but even these five skills are going to make being a CEO and a bootstrapper a really tough assignment. So what I would do is let's look back at that list again with your solo entrepreneur hat on. You're going to realize that you've already been doing a lot of these things to some extent to get your business to the point. Now, you may struggle with certain skills on this list, but keep in mind that these skills can all be developed over time with that right approach and mindset. So reflecting on those five key areas and honestly appraising your current level of competence in each is critical. In this way, you're going to be able to identify the areas that you'll need to focus on as you develop your CEO thinking. So for example, you may consider that you're flexible and willing to make changes to suit your market, but maybe you're not as good at finding ways to innovate around what you already provide. Now, in addition to these skills, you also need the self-confidence a leader um, has to be able to succeed at the head of your business. Now, this doesn't mean that you're gonna have all the answers or that you think you always know best. It's a confident person who can say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And the key is having the confidence to set the direction of your business for yourself without needing to be told what to do. So here are some of the important aspects of the CEO mindset. You have to have an ability to set the direction of your business and make long-term decisions. You have to be respectful and considerate of other people. That is critical. You have to be open to new ideas, have the ability to listen to others and ask for feedback, and the ability to step out of the day-to-day and really see that bigger picture. You also have to be focused and motivated on your goals, have an ability to inspire others with your vision, have positive and be positive even in the face of challenges, be a problem solver when things go wrong, and take full responsibility and not putting blame on others. So the CEO is the ultimate decision maker when it comes to setting that strategic direction of the business. And this includes the overall vision and the plans that must be put in place to achieve that vision. Now, there are some key strategies you need to have in place to grow your business. First is your financial strategy. Here, you're going to set targets for how much money comes into your business and how much money goes out. It's going to include budgets and resource allocation, as well as any other future investment in the business and related expenditure. Next is your product strategy. The first step is to decide what products or services you're going to sell and who's expected to buy. Now, it's likely that you've already made this decision, so you just need to be strategizing around your next steps on how you can develop those offerings. So for example, If you currently sell one-on-one coaching services, you might decide to leverage your time and start running group coaching sessions or create online courses. 
Or if you sell door handles in wood and the trend becomes door handles in stainless steel, you're probably going to decide to adapt your supply and sell what your customers really want. Next is your marketing strategy. It's really difficult to sell anything if you don't market your products and services. And so rather than just, uh, you know, let me just throw out all these ideas and, you know, pray for some results, you're going to need a structured strategy um, that's going to serve you best. And so this is um, going to include not just sales promotion, but also how are you going to build your brand? Um, How are you going to use social media? And how are you going to demonstrate the value so that you can provide what customers want and keep them coming back for more? Now, all of these strategies are interdependent and should go hand in hand. So for example, If you want to revamp your products or services to fit new customer demand, you're going to have to consider those financial requirements and how you're going to market the new offering. It's also important to remember that these strategies are separate from the day-to-day operations, which will bring them about and which could be carried out by other people. So as CEO, you can't afford to lose this overview and allow yourself to be drowned in daily tasks. Uh, And I know this is really hard and something to struggle with when you are out there on your own, right? But before you take on a new project or plan to create a new stream of income, you're going to want to ask yourself, how are you going to reach the long-term goal? Now, if that's something where you say, I want to have a stream of income or this new product uh, is going to be a major source of income for my business, then it's really thinking about, okay, well, what does that look like in the long term? Now, if the answer is that, you know, it's not going to help you reach your long-term goal, then you're going to want to shelve the idea and come back to it another time. Delegation is a key skill for CEOs, and you're going to learn more about how you can delegate and free up time to focus on the big picture. Now, the most effective strategies are simple and structured, and they're going to lead you to achieve your business goals. You may already have strategies in place that work for you, and that's great. But if you don't, or you're only strong on one aspect, then it's useful to reflect on how strategic you're being at the moment in each of those three areas. So review your own strategies and how you came up with them, because this is going to help you highlight where you need to take action. And here are some questions that you're going to want to answer as you're doing this. So what is your company's overall strategy on finance, products and services, and marketing? Where do you lack strategic direction? So if you're finding it challenging to write down the tactics and actions you take to reach your business goals and be competitive, then you're going to lack a structured path to move forward. Next is how often do you discuss strategy? Are there recurring themes in those meetings or in those working sessions with yourself? Now, even if you're just sitting down with yourself, you need to make a schedule to regularly evaluate your business strategies and whether they're catering to your current market. In this way, you can spot those small issues before they become major ones and make the necessary changes as you go along. Next is how often or how does your lack of strategy affect your business outcomes and growth? And so you want to refer to concrete data to help you such as things like sales figures 
or the number of email subscribers or even followers. So next, we're going to talk about decision-making, which is super hard, right? It's something I struggle with on the day-to-day in business and personal life. Uh, I just get overwhelmed very easily. And so it can be really tough being a business owner when you're faced with decisions every day. However, that is the reality of the role. Decisions are going to range from small to large in scope, but and both in terms of the resources involved and the impact that they have. So even though it's a common activity, many entrepreneurs have trouble making decisions. And here's a number of reasons uh, as to why that might be. So first is lack of confidence, right? Where you're telling yourself, I'm really not sure I can do this. Or lack of information or lack of time. Or the one that I struggle with with the most, too many choices or too many options. Or maybe you have a fear of getting it wrong or a fear of what others will think, right? You're going to say, if this goes wrong, then what is my team going to think of me? Now, you might find some of these responses familiar. However, the more that you develop your CEO mindset, the more confident you're going to become. And so this is going to help you get better at the decision-making process. So let's talk a little bit about the decision types. So often entrepreneurs are confusing the type of decision that needs to be made. Like we'll spend hours agonizing over something that doesn't really influence the bottom line, but yet we make a snap decision over something that will have lasting impact on our business. And so as CEO, you need to be familiar with distinguishing between the decisions you make to set your strategic direction and those that are affecting your day-to-day operations. So these decisions can be classified in different ways. The first is strategic. These are the major decisions that we covered just recently, which affect the entirety of your business. They are decisions related to your product or service, you're entering a new market, maybe your your pricing strategy, or you're making a major brand change, advertising strategy, and so on. Next are operational. So once you've set your overall strategy, then there are the tactical choices that have to be made between available options to help you implement that strategy. So for example, maybe deciding where and how to promote a new product or service. Next are programmed. These are, you know, those routine and repetitive decisions which take place on a daily basis, such as when to post on social media, Uh, you know, how to contact existing customers, and so on. Now, these are generally low-risk decisions, and they can be delegated to others or even replaced with a standard procedure that guides future action. So in other words, someone else in your team or a contractor or some sort of partner can follow the procedure, and then no decision is needed unless the situation changes. Now, all the decisions you make ultimately should lead to the achievement of your goals. But some decisions are going to have more influence on your overall business strategy than others. Uh, For example, if you decide today to commit a $10,000 spend on advertising this month when you have little revenue coming in, this would be a big risk to the business. However, if you decide on a limited eight-week campaign with a $500 total limit, that might not upset the delicate balance of your business too much. 
The decision-making process is one of the most critical processes in your business, and you want to aim for effective and efficient decisions that are going to bring about those strategic results that you want. So perhaps you already have a defined system for making decisions, or maybe it's all a little bit haphazard. When you think back to decisions that you made recently, are you aware that you were following a process? So I'm going to share with you my five-step decision-making process that you can use for all your decisions, no matter whether they are strategic or operational. To make an operational decision using the process won't take you very long, and you'll actually come out with thought-through actions to resolve any dilemma. The first is define exactly what decision needs to be made. And you can use these questions to help you out. So first is, why is a decision needed? When does that decision need to be taken? Who is going to be impacted by this decision? And what information do I already have? Next, you'll list your alternative courses of action. And then you'll do a reality check. Which of your alternatives is most likely to bring about a successful outcome given where you are right now? Then you'll choose the alternative and you'll implement it. And then once you review and and evaluate its effectiveness, you really want to take that time to evaluate what's going on in an impartial way. Some decisions don't provoke the outcomes you wanted, and so this will help you in your decision making next time. Next is innovation. Innovation is all about discovering, integrating, seeing new ways, finding connections, and then using all of that insight to create something that you and others find useful and valuable. Innovation is often thought of as the act of creating something new, but it doesn't need to be new, just better. It's the lifeblood of businesses that want to move forward and deal proactively with change. But this isn't innovation for the sake of innovation. Innovation means enhancing the performance of a process, person, team, or organization. And for small businesses and bootstrap businesses, continuous and appropriate innovation means they keep that competitive edge. So there are many ways a business can innovate and bring about improvements in their products and services. So here are some examples. Maybe if you have a physical product, you're making it safer, quieter, smaller, faster, portable, downloadable, more accurate, and you're also finding ways to improve the delivery of your product or service according to those needs and wishes of your customers. Maybe you're reducing the cost or making it easier to use or understand, or maybe you're adding more performance, capacity, features, or functions. You could also make it easier to access, so less waiting, or providing more durability and reliability. You could also give better appearance uh, to shape, design, or style. You can make it portable, like I just mentioned, or you could even make it like self-cleaning or easy to clean, again, if you've got a physical product. Now, what you have logged in a corner of your mind that you need to improve on in your business, ask yourself that. It might be a change that customers have been asking for or a glitch in your system that no longer is saving you time than the time that it should. Maybe there's, you know, increased threats from your competition or you simply just want to offer more value to your customers. Now, make a list of any improvements you've been meaning to make or have been asked to make. 
Think about all the aspects of your business, both customer facing and what we call back office, right? Everything around how your business is operating behind the scenes to, uh, to provide service to your customers. Now, there could be a small area where you can make an improvement, which would then streamline a communication system and save time. Or you could find a more engaging way to keep in touch with your existing customers. Maybe you want to innovate on how you communicate with them through your emailing list. Innovation can be an enhancement rather than some sort of complete change or radical rethink, as we're often told. Innovation, though, is not something that just happens. It stems from that creating thinking. So you need to stimulate creativity before you can innovate. You may have come up with some new ideas when completing your last activities as part of this overall episode and some of those steps. And that's because you have stimulated your creative process. Now, if you didn't, then don't worry. Creativity is a mix of skill and attitude, and you can develop it. Creativity is present in everyone. And so when you make and and when you enable those systems and practices that support innovation, you can tap into this. A CEO promotes innovation in their business when they bring together and manage creative ideas. But you need to have creative thinking first. So now I'm going to share with you my five-step creative process. Because being creative isn't about forcing that light bulb moment. It's a lot more you know, going on in the brain and it, this lays itself out in a recognized process. So the first thing you want to do is preparation. Analyze the task, gather the data, look for patterns, try out ideas, question assumptions. And in the first step, you gather materials and conduct research that could spark an interesting idea. You brainstorm and let your mind wander or write in a journal to foster divergent thinking. This is going to help you consider all possible approaches to building out your idea. And in the first part of this process, your brain is using its memory bank to draw on knowledge and past experiences to generate those original ideas. Next is frustration. So when habitual ways of thinking about the problem break down, creativity is possible. Once you have an idea of where you want to innovate, it's easy to experience frustration that you can't find the solution immediately or can't see the way forward. In fact, this feeling of frustration indicates precisely the opposite. It's a signal that your typical ways of thinking about the problem are breaking down and that creativity is becoming possible. To be creative, you need to go beyond your current beliefs and mindsets to explore new territories and to bring what is outside of your consciousness into awareness. However, the rational mind wants to stay with what it knows and it tries to hold us back from moving into the unknown. This feeling of frustration is actually the feeling of your conscious mind recognizing that it doesn't have the answer yet. Step three, incubation. Give up trying and hand over to your subconscious mind. It's time to give up striving, but your conscious problem solving, you know, put that on hold and hand over to your subconscious mind. The brain will go on working on your behalf in the background to find an answer to the problem that you've set. So let it get on with its job and go do something else. You can give your conscious mind a rest when you sleep on the problem 
or do some, you know, some sort of mundane tasks like laundry, staring out the window, going for a walk, or simply getting on with another task that needs to be done in your business. Then is insight. This is the aha moment. Having done all the groundwork, wait for the moment of insight when something shifts and gives you birth to a new idea, to see things in a new way or create new possibilities. And while the insight often appears to have come from nowhere, it actually occurs as a result of everything that has happened in the steps prior. And then step five is to turn insight into reality. To have an insight is one thing, but to act on it and turn it into reality is your last step. This involves testing your insights and using your decision-making skills to take the idea and turn it into an improvement for your business. So keep your mind, creative mind open to finding solutions. Now, you might recognize these stages operating in your own life. You may have had the experience of struggling to find an answer to a problem and then frustration put it aside and gone off to do something else. Then, almost by magic, the solution pops up in your mind. That was the creative process in action. Now, you're going to try out the creative process by choosing an improvement that maybe you've been thinking about. Now, don't pick the most complex improvement to start with. It could even be a non-business example, such as how to find ways to get you know, your kids to clean up their rooms. Then apply the five-step creative process to it and then note the results. You can't force this. So take the time that you need to follow through the steps. And really be curious about the process and uh, how to let it unfold. So you might be asking, well, how do I inspire my own creativity? Well, as CEO, you are the leader in creativity for the people you work with. So let's start with you and think about, are you a creative thinker? Now, most people don't consider themselves to be creative. Creativity is seen as external, the realm of the artist, the composer, the inventor, and not the activity of the small business owner or CEO. Okay, so you may not be as famous as, you know, uh, Mozart or Einstein or uh, Steve Jobs, but you are no less creative. In fact, you're creating with every thought and word you speak, and the more value that you have and acknowledge your own creativity, the more creative that you will allow yourself to be. Now, as I said before, creativity can be learned, and there are many ways to develop your way of looking, thinking, living, seeing, and being. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of quick exercises that you could do on a weekly basis to stimulate your subconscious mind and develop your creativity. First are new uses. Choose an everyday object and think of at least 25 original uses for it. For example, a paper clip, a coffee cup, a cardboard box, a towel. Don't list the purpose that the item is already used for, but challenge your brain to find new uses that have some sort of element of practicality in them. And then write down a sentence about each new use. Next are improvements. So focus on altering an item to enhance its original purpose. Pick something common that most people would never think of changing. The classic textbook example item is the coffee cup. Improvements suggested have included things like multiple handles, 
anti-spill, a built-in heater, wheels, tea bag holder on the side, you know, self-brewing, self-cleaning, just even a more aesthetic-pleasing sort of, you know, coffee cup or mug. We've all seen those ones that are super popular on TikTok. You choose your item and then think of at least 10 practical ways that it can be improved. Either of these two exercises can be done quickly in a brainstorming session with yourself. So you could set 10 minutes on the clock and try one right now. The more that you do these types of exercises, the more you're going to open up the path to your creative brain and innovation is going to be easier. Creativity needs energy. So make sure that you keep your energy levels up by taking regular breaks during the day, which is something all of us struggle with. And if you're working on a complex project in your business or anywhere, break up your day into chunks. So for example, set 30 minutes on the clock and then do something physical for five minutes, like walking, stretching, singing, or whatever works to re-energize your system. Because this is going to help you stay tuned into your creativity and help the brain in idea generation. Before we wrap up, I want to offer you an exciting opportunity to take your bootstrap business to the next level. If you are struggling with those limited resources or lack of expertise and cash flow issues, then my exclusive income multiplier program is designed just for you. This program is specifically crafted to help bootstrapped entrepreneurs like you unlock your full potential and transform your business into a thriving enterprise. The Income Multiplier program offers comprehensive training modules and personalized expert guidance to help you navigate the challenges of bootstrapping and create a powerful strategy to multiply your income. You're also going to gain access to a community of like-minded individuals who are on the same journey as you, which will offer you a ton of knowledge that you can draw upon. As a special offer for our audience, we're giving access to this course for just $9 when you sign up using the link in the show notes or description. Spots are limited, so you don't want to miss out on this incredible opportunity to invest in yourself and your business. Remember, with the right mindset and tools, bootstrapping a business can be a rewarding experience. And the Income Multiplier program can help you to overcome the challenges and achieve success beyond your wildest dreams. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Bootstrap Mogul podcast. I hope my story and the Income Multiplier program has inspired you to take action and level up your bootstrapped business. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your fellow bootstrappers. Until next time, keep hustling, and remember, be true to yourself and keep chasing your dreams. I'll see you next time.